Good morning, this is Pastor Steve, and uh, today we're going to be looking into the Word and uh, kind of talking about uh, what's coming for the church. Uh, soon we will be regathering, and uh, as we regather, it's very important to look at how we are regathering and uh, what all of that really means. But the best way for us to look at it is to go back to the early church and look at the first ingathering of the church. Uh, I've talked about this passage uh, some weeks back, but uh, I want to look at the ingathering so we can better get an idea of how we should be thinking about regathering and how we should grow in Christ. What are the marks of being a Christian and a disciple? And how do we grow in these kind of times in which we're living? So uh, we're going to look again at Acts chapter 2, and uh, we're going to dig down into a text uh, that really talks about how the church began. Uh, Jesus told the disciples to tarry in an upper room until they were endued with power from on high. So the disciples had been gathering in this upper room and praying and seeking the face of God for, for some time, for a few weeks. Uh, one day, the Holy Spirit comes down upon them uh, with cloven tongues of fire, and all of a sudden we find these disciples praising and glorifying God. And then it seems that other people outside the room began to hear them and wonder what in the world was going on. So Peter gets up and preaches a sermon, and when he gets done, he gives an invitation, and 3,000 souls are added to the church. And that's where the church begins. That's the in-gathering. That's the start of what we know as the church, the body of Christ. As that happens, we, we find some elements begin to pick up into the life of the church. And we begin in verse 41. It says, So then that those who received the word were baptized... And that day, 3,000 souls were added. They were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. And everyone kept feeling a sense of awe. And many wonders and signs were taking place through the apostles. And all those who had believed were together and had all things in common. And they began selling their property and possessions and were sharing them with all as anyone might have need. Day by day, continuing with one mind in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they were taking their meals together with gladness and sincerity of heart, praising God, having favor with all the people, and the Lord was adding daily to their number those who were being saved. Shall we pray? Lord Jesus, I ask that you just bless the word in our life this day. And we pray that it will grow in us, that we'll dig down and look at the truth that is here so that it may make great application for our lives. It is in your name we pray. Amen. The church is uh, vital, vital to culture and vital to society. And how the church functions in any culture, in any society, is what brings about the transformation of that culture. There is a recent book that's been published uh, called Dominion, How the Christian Revolution Remade the World. 
What is interesting is that it's written by an atheist. This book has uh, really kind of shaken up the historical community. And uh, Jonathan Van Maren has written a little blog, and I'd just like to read a little bit um, from it, just to kind of give you an idea of the importance of Christianity and why what we're going to be talking about in regathering is so essential to our culture and to our way of life. John, Jonathan Van Maren says this, Historian Tom Holland is known primarily as a storyteller of the ancient world. Thus, his new book, Dominion, How the Christian Revolution Remade the World, came as something of a surprise for several reasons. First, Tom Holland is not a Christian. Second, Holland's book is one of the most ambitious historical defenses of Christianity in a very long time. While studying the ancient world, Holland writes, he realized something. Simply, the ancients were cruel and their values utterly foreign to him. The Spartans routinely murdered imperfect children. The bodies of slaves were treated like outlets for physical pleasure of those in power. Infanticide, infanticide, there we go, uh, was common. The poor and the weak had no rights. How did we get from there to here? It was Christianity. Holland writes, Christianity revolutionized sex and marriage, demanding that men control themselves, prohibiting all forms of rape. Christianity confined sexually within monogamy. It is ironic, Holland notes, that these are now the very standards for which Christianity is derided. Christianity elevated women. In short, Christianity utterly transformed the world. Most of the hospitals, educational institutions that began in this world began as a mission of Christianity. Harvard, Yale, Oxford, uh, all of them were training schools for pastors. It's interesting to note that the world itself would look very different without Christianity. Christianity has been the life-giving force of it. In fact, it has also been noted that uh, even those today who uh, stand for uh, some plans of uh, social justice without Christianity are using the very tenets of Christianity to deride Christians. It's kind of a strange world in which we live. But having said that, it's important for us then to realize how important it is for you to be a part of the body of Christ, for you to be a part of believers in Christ. In our text today, we found that when the church began, the things that were necessary and vital to it uh, are the things that sustained it through century after century. In times of persecution, in times of difficulty and hardships, in other times of pandemics, for instance, the, the plague that uh, plagued Europe, it's the very essential things uh, of Christianity that seem to thrive and keep us moving forward. So in our text, I want us to look at a couple of things. The first thing that I want you to see is what I mentioned actually some weeks ago was the fact that they continued devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and prayer. The teaching is important 
Teaching is simply being able to take whatever God has inspired through his word and through the human being and be able to share it in a way that helps us to understand our life situation in the light of what God has revealed in his word and through us by the Holy Spirit. Teaching is essential because it helps to keep the word alive, not only through the book, the living word, but through a living person, through the living spirit. And that's essential. We need to make sure that we're growing and we're learning, but not just learning about the Bible or about even Jesus, but learning what Jesus is saying to each of us on any given day. For what we need to learn about Jesus is what his words mean to us at any given moment in time. Jesus says, whoever hears these words of mine and acts upon them will be like a man who built his house upon the rock. Whoever hears these words of mine and does not act upon them will be like the man who built his house upon the sand. Hearing and acting upon the word is essential. Whatever Jesus speaks to you, there should always be the intercontemplation of, Lord, what are you saying to me about my life? What should I be doing? How should I interpret this word and act upon it? That's what makes you a disciple and a follower of Jesus. The second thing is fellowship. You cannot grow spiritually without the fellowship of other believers. Being connected to other believers who can hear you, listen to your struggles, as I shared last week, know your confessions, being able to encourage you and pray for you is vital to your well-being. The third thing they talked about was the breaking of bread. In the early church, this included not only uh, the meal, the love feast, but also communion. And it's important to realize that when we gather together and we break bread with other believers, we invoke the presence of Jesus to be in the midst of that. That is vital to spiritual growth. When you take a meal, you do not only feed upon the bread to sustain the body, but you feed upon the spirit and the presence of Jesus to sustain the soul for see, he says, I am the living manna. I am the bread that has come down from heaven. And whoever eats of this bread will never die. And of course, the last thing is prayer. Prayer is the air Christians breathe. We cannot survive without prayer. That is vital. Those four ingredients have to be practiced in your life because uh, as you pray and seek the face of God through all of these other things, then your life is vitalized by the movement of the Spirit of God. For the Spirit of God does things through you in prayer. I think I shared this a few weeks back that prayer does not help the work of the church. It does not inform the work of the church. It is the work of the church. Uh, Prayer is what changes people's lives. Prayer is what ultimately then changes the world. So it is by prayer and through prayer that we make the greatest headway. So we learn from teaching, we learn from fellowship, we learn from breaking of bread, and we learn from prayer. Well, we actually move in prayer, I should say. We go with prayer. It is what puts everything else to work in our life. 
But here's another aspect that I want you to get is, is all of that does create a sense of awe. And you will find that through that prayer and all that takes place in all of those disciplines, there are signs and wonders and miracles, the text tells us, that begin to take place in the lives of people. But then how did they put this all together? How did they structure it? And when we think of regathering, how did they regather? Well, it says that uh, they continued in the temple and they continued to break bread in the homes. So they had a temple gathering and a house gathering. Uh, the idea of having the house gathering is extremely important because house gathering means that the word of God uh, was disseminated into these homes, into people's lives, into what they were doing. It made the connection from the temple to real life. Uh, we sometimes have a tendency, even in the modern church, to think that church is kind of compartmentalized at a building that church is structured for uh, a gathering of uh, programs that we have at a particular facility. Uh, we are the church. The body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Uh, what we have to do is take church and integrate it into lives in our homes and our communities. And that was done in the house setting. Having a house ministry is vital to the growth of the early church. It is how the church spread like wildfire. And when we think of regathering, I think it's important for us to recognize that we have to recover house church ministry. But there's more than just that reason for it. Uh, one of the studies that I've recently read, uh, a survey taken by Barna, tells us that uh, there will be 30% of people who will be slow in coming back to the church uh, because of concerns for the coronavirus. Uh, that's, that's something that we've all acknowledged and we've all said, whatever your needs are, you must take particular cautions, especially the elderly. Uh, it also said in that study that churches are going to have to start looking at home-directed ministry home-directed ministry. We need to rediscover what it means to be the church in the home, to be the body of Christ at our house, to know what it means to gather again with family and friends who share a common belief in the Lord, maybe even people that we have kind of been uh, quarantined with as we look at our situation, and begin to sit down and do what the early church did. Have meals, have fellowship, have some teaching from the Word, and have prayer. And realize that the gospel needs to be integrated into what we're doing in our daily lives. It needs to be taken to the home and explored because it's a part of who we are. If we think about it, uh, the ancient church of Israel was very unique. They took the word of God and they passed it on from generation to generation with their family and friends. And they did it in their homes long before they had a synagogue to go to and hear teaching from. They were just passing it. They wrote it on the doorposts of their houses, the word, the scripture. You know, if you think even in the, in the Passover scene and in the Exodus, it was the blood put over the doorpost of the house that protected their lives. 
well, in some ways that can serve as a metaphor for us that we really need to bring the gospel back home and let it be fresh in our personal lives. Now, many people may already do this in some form or another, but have we done it intentionally? Do we do it as the idea that this is part of being uh, involved in the greater uh, movement of Christianity? Do we realize that it's a part of being locked together with believers, not only uh, at church in the larger gathering, but in the home gathering? To me, that's pretty significant. Uh, I have been saying for years that we need to recover house church ministry. House church ministry is where people got their discipleship, but they also got pastoral care. It's the way they looked over one another, cared for one another. I have a house church that, uh, one of our house churches that was started in, in a congregation I pastored that continues to meet. They take care of each other in ways that are just amazing. If one of them needs to go to the doctor, one of the house church members takes them. If they need to uh, get medicine, somebody makes sure, they makes sure they have it. If uh, they need anything at all, they pray for each other. They visit each other in the hospital. When they come to the larger gathering at the church, why, if someone goes to the altar, they all go with them because they're a family. And uh, that's how they receive ministry. So in one form or another, we have to think about what does it mean to be the body of Christ and house ministry is a part of it. We must find a way to really create a spiritual place in our homes and realize that our houses are the places where church can really truly begin and thrive once again. I mean, Maybe in time when the quarantine is lifted and we know that we're okay, it's easy to invite family over to a, a meeting at your house. Uh, it's so easy to invite a neighbor in and uh, let them visit or experience the spiritual life that you have in Jesus Christ. Uh, that is how the early church grew. But the early church also grew through temple. They met at the temple. They had both things going on. They would have the house churches, but they would have the larger gatherings. And that continued on in the life of the church. In fact, eventually so, moving through the Dark Ages, uh, when they, Christianity became the norm of the Roman Empire, why they built the big cathedrals the, the, the government of Rome did, so Christians would meet in there. And sooner or later, they stopped having house church. Uh, that was a tragedy for the church because the church then grew in an unhealthy way. We have to connect the larger church ministry to house ministry. When we gather together and we come in and we've all been seeking and, uh, the face of the Lord and having meetings in our homes and we come to church, then we're really ready to worship the Lord. We're prepared. We're ready to seek the face of God because we have been practicing these disciplines all week long. It's a tragedy for Christianity to just simply be something we do on a Sunday morning. It would even be a greater tragedy if all it ever became was just turning on a television program that we watched for a little bit and that was it. Christianity is far more significant than that. It's far more lively than that. It's about changing and transforming people's lives. 
So for us to grow, we must regather. But we must regather by first going back to the grassroots. And in the grassroots, we regather first with the homes, and then we regather with the congregation in the larger setting. So let's not do one as opposed to the other, but I want to challenge you to think about doing both together. Now, to do that, you don't have to have a theological degree. You don't have to uh, be brilliant. You just have to open up the doors of your home and allow God to work with people you know and people you feel safe with in this time with the COVID thing, people you know who have, you've been quarantined together with and, and uh, you, you've done the right kind of things and you can practice those kind of things you need to practice even in the home when, when you do that. But it may just begin with your own family. It just may start with your own house. In fact, that probably would be the best place for it to begin anyhow. It might begin with just a husband and a wife. It might begin with just a family picking up on some of these principles with their own children. It just might begin with, a, well, maybe a, an in-law or two that you have been taking care of. But you begin with this and, and empower your home with the ministry of the gospel. Read the scripture. Look for what God is showing you from it. Allow there to be this kind of fellowship where you invoke into any and every situation the power of Jesus into those relationships. Break bread and, and don't make mealtime just given the obligatory uh, prayer just to get it over with, but turn it into an invocation of the power and the presence of God to be in your midst and in your life that day. Let it be a spiritual walk with Jesus that carries you through. And then just permeate everything with prayer. Breathe prayer in and out of your life. Take in, breathe in what God is speaking to you. Breathe out your own heart's desires before the Lord. Breathe in what God wishes to imprint upon your soul and breathe out the blessings that God has given to you in the way that you treat and touch other people. Allow him to do his work within your life and see where that will lead you. It's vital in this day that we recognize that Christianity is something so powerful and so potent. <laughs> For some crazy reason, govern governments around the world through history have been so afraid that they've wanted to ban it or outlaw it. Why? <laughs> because this isn't simply a book. Jesus isn't simply a philosophical figure that once lived. God is not something far away in the distance that you can't get a hold of. Christianity when it is lived out, brings the Word of God alive in the lives of people. Jesus comes, stands in the midst of them. For he said, where two or more gather together in my name, I will be there. Uh, go into the world, preach the gospel. Lo, I am with you always. The presence of Jesus is there through the Holy Spirit. He is alive. He is more alive now than you could ever imagine. 
In fact, he is life itself. And God isn't some far distant being. He's a close personal reality. For you were made in his likeness and in his image. You have the capacity to experience God. You were made for that. And when you practice these disciplines, you begin to experience it. Going back to what I opened with today, a world without Christianity means a world without rules or boundaries. Yes, governments and politicians can make laws, but they really don't mean anything because it's just their rules, their laws. There's no higher authority than them, and governments have been overthrown. But when something comes to us from the Word of God, something comes to us through Jesus Himself, these become the eternal truths that make life vital and worth living. It is the truths of Christianity that has established generation after generation. It is the truths of Christianity that have worked so hard to make this world a better place to live, to protect children, to protect women, and, and to protect the lives of those who were enslaved. It is the work of Christianity that has brought about change and transformation. Not only in a world, but in our lives personally. Think of where you would be and where you would turn if it hadn't been for the Lord. There is very little that will help us or encourage us or strengthen us. We need Him, but not because we're needy. We need Him because He made us for Himself. We were made for God. We work best and function when God is at work in our life. So it's vital for us, my friends, to realize that Christianity is not just like some other religion. It is a God who created heaven and earth, who shaped and formed us. It is a God who has delivered and redeemed us, who is preparing us to be his own bride. And one day will bring us all together before him face to face. This is something far more than we could imagine and far more vital. For our lives here are just temporary, but we will live with Him forever. So seek Him. Seek Him, get to know Him, and let's make this regathering the best gathering of the church ever. Let us make restarting a real start. Let's make it a reclamation of the eternal truths of the gospel of Jesus Christ in our own lives. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your sweet spirit. I pray that you will just work in our life and that you will grow us in you that we might experience the power of who you are 
and that we might come to know all that you wish to do in our lives. Reclaim our homes. Reclaim what we do in ministry in our house. Let there be house ministry. Let there be prayer meetings. Let there be fellowship. And let it all be in you. And Lord, as we regather the body of Christ, send your hand to watch over us. Let us do it wisely and let us do it intentionally. Because as we regather together in the larger setting, we are setting a precedent to move forward with the church and the body of Christ in a way that could change the world. Thank you for what you've done and will do in our lives, in Jesus' name. Amen. Now may the peace and the grace of Jesus Christ go with you. God bless you.